here a lot every day for a year. Bam, we're live. I thought the guy's name was Jim. Yeah, Jim Bobrowski. Jim who? Bobrowski? I don't think it's his real name. I'm almost certain it's not his real name. What's the F stand for? Black. It's Black Flag Performance. That's his like workout stuff. Uh, that guy has sales programming? I think so. Jim? I can't remember. <clears throat> oh, it's a cool hat. Brian, are you going to sue? <clears throat> what? No. What are you talking about? Bruce Wayne, Kyle Landis, Austin Hartman, Vindicate. Get your favorite Sevon podcast, Badass Gear, at Vindicate. VNDK8.com. Eric Wise. Jeez uh, Louise. Oh, no. There he is. Jeff. Elise Bone. Elise Bone. Bone and who? Good morning. Crazy show. How dare you not include teams? How dare you? Uh, why not include teams in your factor for the 30 greatest CrossFitters male of all time? And, and before anyone says anything stupid, of course he's going to do the female. Settle down. Settle down over there. We're saving the best for last. Um, why, no, why no team factor? Because I don't have all the team data historically, and no one does really except for Chad. Uh, also because it just opens Chad up. Chad Schroeder or Schrader? Schroeder. Chad Schroeder. And it it also opens up it it, it convol it complicates and convolutes the conversation too much. There's you know I think that a majority of the people who are interested in including the team element of CrossFit are only interested in it because of Rich Froning, mm. which is to me you know I know if, one person I think in the comments did mention some others like Tommy Hackenbrook. Mm. Someone mentioned maybe the same person mentioned Kyle Casper Bauer and his mm. you know prowess uh, in the Masters division as well. Um, and of course I, I'm, you know, I know about these things and I'm aware of those things, yeah. but, uh, it just, this is kind of the same reason why I don't, I'm not including the off season competitions. There's been so much. I think change. you feel bad for it. I sense you feel bad for it, that you wish you could, you no, could. No, what put I feel in... bad for is that people think oh. that I'm undervaluing what Rich has done for the sport or has done in the, you know, as an individual in his collective career as the sport, which couldn't be further from the truth. It's just when doing something like this. There's the sport of CrossFit is so broad. There's like, you know, there are thousands of competitions every year at this point, and it doesn't really make sense for me to investigate that <clears throat> fully up to this point in the sports history. All of the athletes that have tried to compete in CrossFit have tried to compete with one goal in mind, which is to win the CrossFit games, making it the pinnacle event, making it, you know, and even though it, it in itself changes year to year and over you know, different eras. It's the big one. It's the uniform one. It's the one that we can, you know, most easily look at and, and take a, a data set or a sample size. And I think it derives something meaningful from it. Who, who's the greatest team athlete to ever do to do CrossFit? Do we know? I rich? mean, with with that question in itself is a great example of what the problem is. Okay, is Rich a team athlete, right. or is an individual athlete, or is he just a CrossFit athlete? Because he's basically had a you know. Well, bare minimum, he's split. both. He's both, right? Right. Yeah. So, am I going to look at his six individual 
uh, or is it six team competitions? Let's say you weren't. When I'm Let's answering say- that, when I'm saying, when I'm answering that question, should I neglect his individual success and only Let's focus on him as a team athlete? If Let's I, say- it would still be him. And then, and then who would be second? You think? Do we even Probably know? Probably Adam Neifert. Oh, uh, just in, oh. because you know. And I'm it, asking you leading questions. My question would is this: James and, Hobart, and, maybe Tommy oh. Hackenbrook, maybe. I mean, it depends on what you value. Like what Adrian Conway did in a year was incredibly impressive, but it was oh. a year. And you look at Adam Neifert over ten years, and no, and I've only mentioned men so far. Right. How do you factor in someone like Annie Thorsdotter, who's had one year as a team, or Lauren Fisher, who's had multiple years as teams, kind of sprinkled throughout her career? It would definitely be Taylor or and Taylor, right? Consistently and only done the team competition. How heavily does that weigh against someone like, um, you know, China Cho, who who joined on the Mayhem team and won? Like, you know, it's it's so much more complicated when you factor all those things in. And when I'm, I mean, it's already difficult enough to assess. You know, there are thousands of men who competed at the CrossFit Games, close to a thousand, I think, when you go back to the early years. Have a couple hundred each. You're really trans. This is the most transparent ranking I've seen. Maybe I wasn't paying close attention, but by transparent, I mean you, you let people see some of the big, uh, the big levers you looked at: appearances, titles, podiums, uh, top tens, average finish, event wins. Uh, what's change mean? I I released a uh, rankings last year. We did it. We talked about it on this. Oh show actually and it's a it's actually one of the most important things that i wanted to talk to you about at the start of this conversation is since from last year when we did that to this year so if it says change and there's a dash that means their ranking didn't change so fraser was first last year he's still first this year no change someone like justin Maderos, he's new on the list so it just says new and then you know everyone who's behind Maderos who enters into you know somewhere on this list is obviously going to drop down at least one spot so there'll be a minus one minus two minus three whatever and then for some others like Sam Quant or Travis Mayer or, or Cole Sager, their performance this year elevated them by, uh, you know, whatever number of placements. So that'd be a plus two, plus four, whatever you see on there. To make it on this list, you have to, oh God, there's t- it, this, sometimes I just ask brilliant questions. And I don't even, I just savor them. I don't even want them coming out of my mouth. They're so good. I, I feel like I should, it's like, you know, when there's a great movie and you don't want to watch it, like after I saw Boys in the Hood, I was like, "Fuck! I wish I wouldn't have watched this." Because now it's like you'll never get that experience again. No, so that fucking first good. time. That's how I feel about this next question. It, um, so to get on this list, you have to have competed at the CrossFit Games three times. That's a baseline. Even if you won your first year and your second year, you still don't get to be into this competition. There's a baseline of three years competing. Um, who are the guys who've been in two years that you're like, "Oh shit!" Next year. I'll they're on. They're on this slide. I'll see. Oh, they are. The last slide has those names. Oh my goodness! I can't wait. You, so, small, my, so, small, so you're even ahead of me. It's a great question, but it's a great stat you've already even thought of. Yeah, the the really it's like looking the at one dessert. That I'm not sure it's like about, looking at dessert before you eat dinner. The one that I'm not sure about is is Ricky. Like, was this? Would you consider this to be his first or second year this past year? Mm. Mm. I'm counting it as one. Oh, what a great slide. Notable names eligible next season. You're counting it as what? His second year? First. Oh, poor Rick Lito. Well, uh, Roman it's, Krenic- not, it's not my fault that he got disqualified that year. Uh, Roman Krenikoff, Lazar, Lazar, Jukic, and Jason Hopper uh, all can't be put on the list yet. 
because of the only the two years. Right. And the other three guys below that, Willie George, Guimayotis, and Will Morad, could have been on this list. They all have competed at least three years and were close to making it, but haven't made it yet. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Who is, who uh, was, was Guy the closest? Yeah. I mean, seventh and 10th is remarkable, obviously, for two years. The only other year he competed was 2019. He finished somewhere in the 40s. It changed after they were, you know, uh, eliminated a few people who failed drug tests that year. So I think he may have ended up. 49th or something like that. Um, but uh, really, I want to see one, just one more full year from him, and then definitely he'll be on the list. From from Guy? Yeah. Even if he shits the bed? Even if like he took a 24th, you uh, think he'd push out Austin Maliolo? Um, yeah, if if he had a major regression next next season, then he'd be a lot lower on the list. I still think there's a potential for him to slide in there um, but we'll see the, the, uh, and I know that it, we've only been doing this a couple of years now. This is year number two, but, uh, that currently the best newcomer who's ever come onto the list is Justin Medeiros. The highest anyone's ever come onto the list is seven. Yeah. And I, and I think more so than any other name on that list, that's seems to be the one that most people have taken exception to. I'm struggling with it. I'll tell you. I struggled with it also. It was very difficult to decide where to rank him. I know it seemed like a lot of people wanted to have him third. I did consider putting him third, and uh, you know, and and obviously every spot in between there. And then I ended up settling on seventh. Uh, um, or not. And we'll circle back to that. You have on here appearances, titles, podiums, top tens, average finishes, uh, event wins as your criteria. Not just as criteria. There are, as criteria. Yeah. There are certainly other things that I think about and consider when, when making this. And you are exactly right. You know, by putting that, all those data points out there, it's very easy for someone to look at it and see an outlier uh, in some of those categories and say, well, that's ridiculous. Just look at the numbers. This guy should obviously be higher or lower. But I think there are other factors that aren't as easy to quantify mm-hmm. Uh, with a simple stat or a chart like this that are also important to, to factor in. You have Ben Smith at 11 appearances. Yeah. Does that include the appearance where he was invited? It does. Uh, you, you, so if Ricky sh- uh, showed up, uh, if he popped and he doesn't get to count that because he used nefarious means to get to the CrossFit games. Uh, should, should Ben only be 10 appearances or should there be an asterisk next to him? I don't know. I mean, it was, uh, that was something that was out of his control. Whereas Ricky's choice was in his control. Um, Ben's Ben's career, uh, was what was what earned him that invite. And I, you know, I, I don't think the competition was any worse for having him there that year. I think it was probably better having him there. Um, and it also, I think in terms of just that concept of having an invite, um, I don't, you know, I don't think there was obviously a lot of controversy about whether that should have existed or not, but should not have, you know, it's one of those things where like, once you do it and you've done it, then you can, then you can look at it and say, okay, well, we did it. Did we like it or not? Did it work or not? 
Whereas if you never do it, then you don't really know. And since we were doing so many other new and different things that year, I didn't think it was like, it was, if we're going to do it one year, that was the year to do it. Hey, was that the year that, that, oh, was that the year that, no, that wasn't the year Ricky popped. It was two years later. It's 2019. It would have been cool if they, they just waved Ricky popping too. That's ah, fine. It's okay. Ben, you come on in. I know you didn't qualify. Ricky, you popped. It's, it's all good. Just everyone chill. Chill. The balance is out. There's balance in the universe. A minimum of three years competing at the CrossFit Games as an individual to make it on the top 30 greatest CrossFitters of all time. Brian Friend is not factoring in team performances. This is an individual, a list based on individual performances and achievements specifically around the CrossFit Games, uh, the undisputed crowning event that crowns the fittest human being who walks planet Earth. Uh, Primary statistics... Used were podium finishes, top 10 finishes, number of years qualified, average finishes across a career. Sorry, average finish, big difference. Average finish across a career. And finally, event wins. Oh, that's a, that's a nice one. Uh, additionally, and, and that's what saves someone like Guy, right? What? The event wins? Uh, event wins. It certainly is. Uh, it's a feather in his cap compared to most of the athletes, yeah. Uh, additionally, there is an element of my own perception as the data can be misleading in some cases. <laughs> yeah. What's your, do, uh, of these, which is your favorite, um, stat, which, which one, like, is, is, is there a bread and butter or is there a, a, any two that are a bread and butter when you bring, let's say appearances and average finish together, you're like, all right, I'm really like. Because if your average finish is second, but you've only been in three games versus your average finish is, is 2.4 and you've been in seven games, I mean, is there any two that where you're just like, yeah, that's you're the guy? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously winning is, 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 is huge, but I like, I like to also recognize the longevity in the sport. Uh, I think that it's a pretty impressive sport to have you know, consistent and long runs, we're able to, even if you're not necessarily winning, but we're able to string together six, seven, eight, nine consecutive trips to the CrossFit games. And then if you couple that with average finishes that are around 10th place, that's, that's pretty impressive. So I'd say that the combination of, you know, cause there's only a couple guys that have won. Obviously there's a few more that have podiums, but there's a lot of people that are on this list whose average finish is somewhere between, I don't know, 10 and 14 over a career that spans six to nine years. And those, to me, are you know fairly significant. If you go down this list, I'm pretty confident there are two, one, two. There are only two people on the list that have three years of competition experience and make this list. And they're Justin Medeiros, who's obviously in the beginning of his career, and Miko Salo. And every other person on this list has at least four appearances. And none of the people who have four appearances, even Tommy Hackenbrook's the highest ranked at 20, and then you have Adler, Alex Anderson, and Kyle Kasperbauer, who are all outside the top 20. So clearly I'm factoring in longevity and durability and excellence coupled with that over you know a career as something that I weigh fairly heavily. That appearances, you're right, is fascinating because I think it's – we always talk about Matt winning five and Rich winning four. And <clears> – <throat> It's just one more. And then I'm always like, you know, just it rolls off my tongue. Well, Rich is better because of all the team shit he won. But look how many appearances Matt has had. Seven. 
That's more than Maliolo, Neil Maddox, Casper Bauer, Alex Vigneault, Alex Anderson, Jacob Hepner, Jeffrey Adler, Spencer Hendel, Saxon Panchik, Tommy Hackenbrook, Samuel Quant, Miko Salo, Matt Chan, Graham Holmberg, Dan Bailey, Josh Bridges, and Justin Medeiros. And Rich Froning, he beats all those guys on appearances. It's fucking nuts. That's a lot of times to go to the games, right? Yeah, and in and over that amount of times doing it, he the he's only good. Who has an average finish better than him is Rich, and it's by a tenth of a point. Wow, he's good, right, Matt Fraser? I think he's the best that's ever done it. Yeah, and and he's not just the best that's ever done it. He's like exceptional. Like yeah. when you say there was yeah. never going to be another Rich, and then for Matt just to just come in, it's it's out of this world, kind of right. Yeah, and I want to say, you know, like. Again, I think it's really important to to factor in when I say that Matt's the best that ever that has ever done it. I I don't think you can say that without recognizing that he he wouldn't have. I don't think he would have performed and excelled to the level that he did without Rich. So I think Rich set the standard, and and that's why when we were talking with John the other day, I would say, you know, that Rich is kind of like uh, a Babe Ruth or a Bill Russell. Like he's, you know, you have to keep in, like imagine 50 years from now looking back and you'll say, well, the first great athlete in the sport was Rich Froning. And he created a landscape that was possible for someone like Matt Fraser to come along. And so you could say, well, was Mickey Mantle better than Babe Ruth? Was Will Chamberlain better than Bill Russell? It's like, yeah, maybe, but they couldn't have existed in the way that they did if those guys hadn't come before. That's what Rich Froning is for the sport of CrossFit, especially on the men's side of things. Um, and I actually, you know, I know a lot of people want to see the all-time greatest list and is Tia the fittest ever or, you know, whatever conversation. I think that in the sport of CrossFit, it actually is practical to have those, more practical to have those conversations independently. Um, I think that the, especially with, where we've only where we've been so far in the sport that the, the landscape for the men and the women is so dramatically and drastically different that it's fun to talk about them collectively, but not that practical necessarily. People aren't going to like this one. Here it comes. They're, the women don't have a rich throning. Well, you could argue that it's Annie Thor's daughter. Um, and I don't think that people, you know, they, they, you'd have to argue it though. You'd have to argue it. I mean, that time, like the, the years that they won back to back together was like, that was a critical pairing of years for the development and pushing forward of the sport. And I would say that Annie's impact on the sport for women was maybe not at the same level as Rich, but was, was definitely notable. And I don't know that. It's you know, notable, but there's been others now. Now we got Madaris yeah, but she was with the two. first. Like if you look before her, I don't think Chris Clever had the same impact that Annie sure. did or Tanya Wagner or Katie Mather or Jolie, you know? So I would say Annie was kind of that first. I think Sam Briggs had a big impact and obviously Katrin and then Tia. Um, but I would say Annie was the first great woman in terms of not just performance at the games, obviously being the first back-to-back champion, but also – showing women out there kind of what's possible in terms of the sport of fitness and even uh, what a, what a, a woman's body can look like. All, all of that stuff I agree with and her stature in the sport, I would agree is this, uh, um, you know, bigger than life motherly figure the same way riches is sort of that bigger than life fatherly figure. But that being said, she's no rich Roni. I agree. The, the women I think are saying the same thing. The women, yeah, I know, but you softened the blow. Like we, I threw her out the window, and like you threw some pillows for her to land on. 
That was nice of me. It was. Nice. <laughs> 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 it was nice of you. I guess yeah. I, it's a good thing I practice sleeping with no pillows. It's uh, do you? I have. Yeah, me too. You just like to lay flat, practice lying flat. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's how people slept for a long time. Yeah, I think I I, I like it because I stay awake longer. I don't fall asleep as quick. Gives me time to like kind of check check in on myself. If I have a pillow. I'm just out. Graphics guy upped his upped it, upped his game this time. I think I sent him all this information. I didn't know what he would do with it. He was. I think I was pretty pleased with what he was able to do. It, it, are there any factors that are as definitive as these ones? Appearance, title, podium, top ten finishes, average finishes, event wins. That well, yeah. You, when you that when you, you use that's not on this list that you haven't told us about. Yeah, like when you competed. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and and I think that probably at this point it's the easiest way to define that is by location. So if a majority of your appearances or your significant most significant appearances were in Aromas. I weigh that a little bit have you know less than if they were in Carson and a little bit less than if they were in Madison. Why does it matter how if the, is best of all no, time? No, you just can't. Like- you can't do anything about the field of competitors that you're competing against. Uh, you know, I've always said that. Like, um, it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter who was in the field uh, that last year. Justin showed up and won, and he deserves the credit for that. But you can recognize that as the sport has evolved over the last 15 years, that there have been more people that are investing more and in trying to be elite or great at this sport. Like this, Fraser beat stronger fields than Froning. Like, does that matter? Yeah, that's it's most. That's basically what I'm saying. It's like if you because you're there's there's no time component. You're saying if you took all of, you're basically trying to put everyone in the same time. A timeless era it's a, well it's, impo- it's but that's what you're trying to, to do right yeah yeah but recognizing that that's not the case as well uh B- brandon waddle with a good comeback dang nick Froney beat everyone on the list of the top ter- 30 fraser did i not. think graham holmberg beat him beat who Froney. Uh, but did Froney never beat graham the next did year Froney ever beat justin medeiros oh yeah brandon yeah has he beat Sam Quant or Jeff Adler? He, he did. He beat, he definitely beat Sam Quant. He did. Yeah. What, Remember what the, uh, Sam Quant? Uh, whatever Sam Quant's rookie year was. 2016. Yeah. Rich was competing on the teams. No, no, he was individual that year. Was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> so yeah. Shit, I thought I had something on you. I've always said this too. If someone wants to make the argument that Rich is the greatest or the greatest male crosser of all time. I'm not going to argue against them. I think that they are, you know. What if it was on the John Young, uh, 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 Brian Friend show, uh, debate show? You could make the, I can to. make the argument for Rich to be the greatest of all time. I just don't think it's as strong as the case for Matt. Neither do I. How could anyone argue just based on this if you don't look at teams? What, what would you say to argue Rich? I don't see anything you can argue. You could say Matt exactly what I said. Which is Matt would never have been able to do what he did without Rich. Yeah, but that's so... Um, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not as strong of an argument. And it doesn't really... I mean, I did something that for you that I thought you'd really like, okay? okay. We're going to take a little uh, trip down memory lane. Please. You like that idea? I love that idea. <clears throat> because one of the things that I saw people were commenting a lot about was how skewed some of the numbers for Fraser are based on the 2020, 2020, <laughs> 2020 CrossFit Games. And the fact that he was able to rack up just an in- 
him and Tia both an insane number of event wins that year. Right. So I did a little parallel. The four athletes that Fraser competed against in 2020 were Samuel Quantz, Justin Medeiros, Noah Olson, and Jeff Adler. If you take crazy field of dudes, crazy fields and field of dudes. So if you take their relative finishes in previous years, and I did a little because 2019 was so strange. So in the case of Samuel Quantz, he finished 13th and 20th in his two previous uh, visits to the CrossFit Games before going to Aromas and taking second. I weighed the 13th a little heavier because it was more recent. So I looked at the 15th place fi- finisher from 2012. For Medeiros, I looked at the best placing rookie from 2012. For Noah Olson, I combined his second and sixth place finish from the previous two years, and I went for the fourth place finisher from 2012. And Adler was 33rd in a field of uh, uh, 145 or something in 2019. Which So I just went for the 25th place finisher from uh, 2012. So if in 2013, which we'll say is a parallel to Matt Fraser in 2012. Oh, I like what you're doing. Rich had competed against those four placings. We would have had Lucas Parker, Marcus Hendren, Scott Panchik, and Albert Dominic LaRouche. Mm. That's, a, that's a similar grouping of athletes that Rich would have competed against in 2013. So we let, then I looked at how did he do against those athletes in 2012? And of all the workouts that he competed against them in, Scott actually beat him five times. Marcus beat him three times. Park, Lucas Parker beat him twice, and Albert Dominic LaRouche beat him once. Um, but Rich beat them all in seven out of the events that year and that 2012 year. And I didn't. And I picked that year even despite the fact that there were so many anomalies in the programming. They had the broad jump, the ball toss, toss the track triplet, the med ball handstand pushup, and the sprint workout, all of which were like very specialty-specific workouts. And he, lost, he did not win any of those workouts, Rich. But he did beat them all in you know, several of the other ones uh, that were more kind of the classic CrossFit, what you'd expect. And that would have bolstered his event wins by five. He had two in 2012. He would have had seven in, in a comparable format. So I thought it was just kind of a, a cool study to do to uh, to see that, yeah, if you, if you pare down the field to a similar grouping of athletes that Matt had to compete against in stage two of 2020, Rich's event wins would also be inflated a little bit. If, if I hope you enjoyed that, I did. I really did like that, actually. And, and, and it put, for those of us who have been around then, and I knew uh, I can remember seeing all those guys you said compete very clearly, especially Marcus Hendren and Lucas Parker. Like, I feel I, as you say their names, I feel like I'm standing next to them as they're running by me in the events. Um, I, I want to talk about Medeiros. Yeah, the only male ever to win two CrossFit Games. And but before we talk about his his um his his ranking. So so wait a second. So you're saying that uh Rich Froning showed up to five CrossFit games and won four? Yeah. Yeah. That that not you're saying, that's the stat. Yeah. Um so when you have Medeiros at seventh, the people you have ahead of Jason Medeiros are Ben Smith. That one's kind of hard to argue with because because he won the CrossFit Games. And would you say Ben Smith won in modern times? Uh, yes. And he beat, he had to beat Matt Fraser. Yes. 
and and and, w- and w- would you? Oh shit! I lost the page. And would you also say that uh, that Jason Kali- did Jason Kalipa ever compete in the games in the modern times? Uh, 2014 was the last year he competed individually. And how did um, he do? Great third behind oh, he did. Okay. Fraser. The wow. thing about Kalipa behind like, who? Behind, that, behind who and Fraser? Froning. Okay. Pretty good company. Yeah, yeah. The thing, so and to me, we've talked about this. So before. the podium in 2014 was Rich, Matt, and Jason. I think it's the best podium ever. Yeah, but, that's uh, savage. Wow. But we have. Uh, I'm more impressed by Jason's third place finish in 2014 than I am by him winning the games in 2008. So that's a is a great example of how I weigh the errors a little differently. Like I thought it was a much more impressive and difficult accomplishment to get third that year than it was to win in in 2008. Speaking about impressive, for those of you who don't know, you and you can go back and watch it on the internet somewhere. Go back and watch event number one and event number two of the 2009 CrossFit Games. It, it has to be up there. It has to be the most impressive. Uh, performances by any CrossFit athlete that I can think of, male or female. Jason fainted on the fucking field of play, got up, finished the fucking run, uh, didn't take last, and then in the second event, deadlifted 500 pounds. It was it was pretty fucking bizarre. Event finishes of 72nd and then first. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, that's nuts. And I mean, he was down. Like you could see him that we have the footage. He's running and he goes down. He just 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 turns off. The and, off and if switch. not for that, if not for that, he probably wins the games that year. I mean, it was a it was a total points accumulation, and he got seventy two of his one hundred and six points on that workout alone. His oh, next workouts God. were first, thirteenth, thirteenth, first, and second. Oh, there were more. Uh, hold on. Uh, so he would have beat Miko, and then second, second again. Maybe. I mean, he ends up finishing. Miko had. Um, he didn't have any really bad events, but he had a 32nd, a 17th, an 11th, and 9th. But even if you add all of these up, they're not coming to 72. So that event alone weighed so negatively against Jason. And he's, you know, he finished fifth that year. But it's a. Are those intangibles you think about? Are those the intangibles you think about? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. I, you know, I, I think the smaller the sample size for the athletes, the more difficult it is to assess the ranking. Someone put a, f- a pretty funny comment, like that if Miko saw this, he was ranked 17th on this list, he would ride his bike ac- through the Atlantic Ocean on the ocean floor and come beat my ass or something. Yeah, I saw that. That was good. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you, you can make the argument that Miko doesn't even really deserve to be on the list at all. He has a I first hear you. place, a third place, and then something pretty bad. Uh, I have to check here. Uh, another incredible finish by him though too had his eardrum blown out and finished the event which w- which was crazy like it, we all saw something happen to him we didn't know what and Miko uh, yeah Jason. that uh, Miko at that year he had his eardrum blown out a wave hit his eardrum blew out his eardrum and we saw him basically war to finish a really long event he continued that's probably to- why the guy believes he can ride his bike on the ocean floor yeah I, I want to say this about Jason passing out the 2009 CrossFit Games. He wasn't the only one. A fucking shitload of people did not finish that event, and they did not come back and compete. 
Valerie Vobrel did a somersault across the finish line. One late, there was a point in that event where they came running down the hill at Aromas and they were supposed to run between two bleachers and enter the stadium. It was like a, a mock stadium made with like cheap bleachers, right? One of the fucking athletes missed the opening and ran under the fucking bleachers. Just imagine you're running and I'm like, hey, run between those bleachers right there. And instead you just ran underneath it and fucking clothesline yourself. <laughs> it was some Asian chick. I can't remember her name. Do you have Poor all the footage girl. from that year? Somewhere, yeah. That's at the finish line. That's at the finish line. Yeah, that's at the finish line. Man. Hey, he had to be careful. Yeah, look at him. Look I bet at him. if you made a documentary about that year. And, and just talk be, to those dudes? Yeah, that might be a good idea. Look put at it him. out now, it would be a hugely popular. Good find, Caleb. Damn. This guy Caleb just it. wants to just Caleb just likes dudes in medical shirts. Yeah, he's wrecked right there. A few minutes later, he wins an event. Yeah. He looks like shit. Yeah, he's he's not he's not good. Bam, event two, 500. Oh, is that 505? Man. Man, oh, man. CrossFit, don't do something stupid like try to bust us for copyright. I own that footage. I will fuck you guys up. Alan! Keston bomb. Thank you. I owe you a big hug, buddy. After his eardrum being blown, uh, he came back next year uh, and had knee surgery. Uh, came back the next year, and then he got pneumonia. Resilient as fuck. Alan, um, I was looking for you on Instagram yesterday. I wanted to share something with you. I spoke with Michael. Uh, I think it's Rulin. We had a great conversation. He was telling me what a stud you are. So, so it, it is, it is hard for me. It is hard for me to process what happens if Jason Kalipa. So it, it goes just f- for those of you know, the best male crossfitters of all time. First is Matt Fraser, then Rich Froning Jr., then Ben Smith, then Patrick Vellner, then Jason Kalipa. Uh oh, Adaris doesn't even make page one. Then Scott Panchik, <laughs> and then Justin Medeiros. Um, what happens if Justin wins next year? Or what? Like, two, looks, let me ask you this first. What happens if he just goes to the games next year and competes? And, and let's say just takes podium. He doesn't win, which isn't going to happen. He's going to win again. Maybe. I think no, no, that he is. If he wins, if he wins again, he will move. Obviously, he'll move up on the list, uh, either to third or fourth. Probably to third. If he podiums, maybe to fourth. He so if he wins again, he pushes Ben Smith out. Three wins trumps eleven appearances and one win. He also has, you know, he also has uh, a third place finish. And even though it was in a strange year, like I weigh that third place, it's like significantly less than Jason Kalipa's third place in 2014, for example, because he had to beat a full field of one of the best fields we've ever seen. Whereas he qualified for that via, you know, an online competition, which is really, really strange against probably the weakest field of 30 we've ever seen to get to the weakest field of five we've ever seen. Man, and 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 then it's he'll just, be the only. It's not, it's not his fault. It's just how it, how it is. It's like right. so. Yes, there's that third place finish there. Obviously, it was a precursor for what was to come. But it just like to me, it's elite. Like people want to look at how dominant Fraser was in 2020. It's like when I mean, we just talked about it. It's like to me, it's his least impressive win. And and then he'll be the only person in CrossFit Games history to have three wins. Well, there are, yeah, because someone has four and someone has five. 
and no woman's ever done three. Not besides Tia. Not just three, right? And and, and no one's ever won the CrossFit Games, not won it, and then come back and won it. Every all the people who have multiple wins have done it consecutively. No one's ever taken a an L. Is that true? All the people who have multiple CrossFit Games wins have never lost. And then come back and got a win. So like all five, they're all consecutive wins. Right. And he so lost, if we see Justin lose. Never won again. Catcher yeah. lost and never won again. Sam Briggs lost, never won again. Yeah. Although. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it, but but if but if for some reason Justin didn't win next year, he'd be one of those people that we thought could come back and win unless we saw him take, sustain some terrible injury. Yeah, or you know, Roman comes back next year and beats him by 300 points uh, somehow, you know. But we but we don't think um we don't think Annie's ever going to come back and win the CrossFit Games. She's the only or Katrin. I think there are people who believe that if Tia retires this year and Annie throws her hat in the ring individually, which it looks like she's going to do at Rogue, that <clears throat> she will have a uh, be in the conversation with Laura and Mal to possibly win the games next year. But she but we don't actually think she'll win. I don't think so, but I think there are people who believe that she'll have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I believe she has a chance too, but but it, it's not going to happen. I want to go all the way down to the end and work our way up. Austin Maliolo, uh, Neil Maddox, Kyle Casper Bauer, Alex Vigneault, Alex Anderson. I think most of the people who watch the games don't even know who, currently don't even know who these people are. Is that fair to say? Maybe. Um... Obviously, Vigneault is the most modern of any of these here. He had pretty bad games relative to his other games' performances this year. Alex Anderson being the probably the next most recent, unless you follow the Masters division, where then you'll have some exposure to Kyle Kasperbauer. But Neil and Austin haven't competed in a while. And I think Alex's dad was a CrossFit Games champion, for sure a competitor in the Masters division. And his brothers both, both competed. And uh, Neil Maddox is currently in Northern California uh, teaching rich people how to do CrossFit. Kyle Kasperbauer is in, I think, Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, and he works for CrossFit, right? He's one of the country managers or affiliate liaisons or field reps or one of those things that they can't figure out what they are. Hmm. And Austin Maliolo runs that team. He's like this, the number two. He's like head of affiliates for CrossFit in North America. Yeah. And, and. I don't know if I should do this. Let's save that for another episode. I like Austin. I don't want to. I like Austin. I do like Austin. He's a good dude. Uh, number 25, Jacob Hepner. I, I had no idea he was so fucking accomplished. I thought he just had a good body and a good personality. Yeah, really impressive, uh, especially when you look at his average finish across five years, 10.6, which is obviously better than anyone else on this particular page. Uh, and I think that, you know, he, he is one of those guys where when you think when you think about him, you might not realize how good his uh, his career was. But then when you put all the numbers on paper and you see five years, 18th, 10th, 7th, 6th, 12th, that's a pretty good resume. A couple of event wins, three top tens. Pretty good run, even though it's only over five years. Uh, Jeff Adler still going strong. Uh, is a threat is a threat to the podium. Gets better it's every Jeff year. Jeff Adler, right? it's so crazy. He has four event wins at the games, and they are all in strength events. And like, 
really demanding strength events like the back nine this year or the CrossFit total. Um, it's in, he to me is, and I, you know, there are some other athletes that you can throw into the mix in this conversation, like a Cody Anderson or Carl Saunders, maybe, but what he's able to do with the body that he has in terms of strength output is so incredible. Uh, and he's can, continuing to get better in a lot of other domains, which are obviously allowing him to move up the leaderboard year, year after year. Uh, Chris Spieler, is, is he the only guy who is in the 2007 CrossFit Games who's on this list? I think so. I think so. Um, and I know there was a, one person in there in the comments at least that was seemed to be offended by how low Chris was ranked on this list. They're out of their fucking mind. He's lucky to be on the list. They're out of their fucking mind. Well, this is this he's is barely, a, he's barely a CrossFit Games athlete. I barely give him. The so point. this is a good example of where the numbers don't tell the whole story because if you look down the page here compared to the two guys on either side of him, he has more appearances, he has more podiums than the entire page combined, he has more top tens. His average finish is in the middle or, or towards the bottom of these guys, and he has more event wins than all of them. So it looks on paper like he should have a, a really high rating, uh, maybe higher than, than some of these guys. And even if you go to the next page, it might be higher in some of those statistical categories. But the era he competed in, and he, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of actually kind of curious why you say he's barely a CrossFit Games athlete. I mean, I think he's incredibly impressive, and there's this obviously is no disrespect to Chris. To, just to be on this list, I think everyone should be honored to be on this list. It's incredible company, but I think that the numbers don't tell the whole story in the case of Chris. Uh, for, first of all, I'm totally biased. I'm a hater. <laughs> I'm a complete Chris Spieler hater. So not that he's done anything wrong to me. He's a nice guy. I fucking always enjoyed every second that I've been around him. He's always been warm and welcoming to me. It's nothing. I just, uh, he, he played the little guy thing too hard. Um, he always, I feel like he always had excuses. He did. He, um, he, he, I feel like the year he won the games, no fault of Chris's own that um, I, and I actually accused Dave of fucking doing some home cooking to try to get Spieler on he the podium that year. Or, or sorry, the year he made the podium, I accused uh, Dave of doing home cooking to get him on the podium. That was actually probably one of the biggest fights that Dave and I ever had. He was so angry that I even um, accused him of that. I'm like, Hey dude, there's no fucking way you didn't make these for fucking Chris to get on the podium. <laughs> I would love for you to look at the events of that year's games. What year did he go on the podium? It was a fucking, might have been a, just been a triathlon that year. I was disgusted <laughs> by the events that year. 2011? Run, run, muscle up, run. No, 2010. Run, run, muscle up, run. Repeat. Oh, yeah, and the, 10 with, uh, with and Graham and Rich. And in right. third place, that's so that's the year he took third with Graham and Rich? Yeah, he was uh, four yeah, points better than podium. Matt Chan and uh, eight points better than Miko Salo. Austin Maliolo was sixth. Ben Smith was eighth that year. Tommy Hackenberg ninth. So we actually have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys who are on this list that finished in the top ten that year. That's and and it's hard to hate on him because those are all good dudes. It's hard. To, I just I, uh, the the first year. I mean, it was just three events. Um, this this I just uh, what year did what, did Spieler take in two thousand? Um, Eight. 2008 he was 10th but he was in first going into the final event then he took 47th on that event oh and that was the deadlift that, no that was the squat squat clean grace every second counts here 
Wait, no, no, 2008. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the same thing happened to him in 2009. I think maybe he he beat Miko or took second to Miko in the first event. In the second event, he must have shit himself with the deadlifts. Oh. I don't even think he deadlifted 300 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm serious. Uh, let's see here. You have access 375 to 375 pounds. 375. So he had almost the inverse. He had first place, 71st. Kalipa had 72nd first. I mean, yeah, yeah. So they, they had almost the same performance. But then uh, Chris got cut three events later. Ended up finishing 25th that year. You know, that's where... Um, uh, th- that's where that the the interim CEO worked out at his gym. That Allison girl, who who now is the interim media director, uh, slash CFO. So anyway, Chris is a great example of where the numbers don't tell the whole story. Um, obviously, incredible career, but there's also this thing like if you go and look on on YouTube and you spend a week scouring YouTube, you will find so much content on Chris Spieler and you will find almost nothing on Spencer Hendel. Right. Right. So he yeah. just, you know, and so in some of these cases, um, there's just certain, he was a media darling he, and he yeah. was over there and, uh, he was over there in Heberville, uh, in, in Mormon country in Utah. And so they had, a, well, when you got, when you have a love affair with a great filmmaker like Heber and a prolific filmmaker like Heber, there's going to be a ton of shit on you. And he was, and he was always open to being filmed. And he did a lot of cool shit. I think he was the first guy to do a hundred unbroken pull-ups in the community. Um, he he did so. He was on the L one team. He did a lot of fucking really cool shit. A ton of cool shit. He was def and for small guys, he was definitely the. Um, yeah, there was that whole David and Goliath thing. He may even have his his rogue shirt. May even be David or something. David was the little guy. I don't think Goliath was. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, that's also something that's, that I try to dis- like separate out when I'm doing this list is how much I know about them based on the media attention they, res- they received in their career, because that does not always correlate to their performance on the field of play. Um, you know, there, this whole page basically is full of guys, Panchik, Hender, Adler, Hendel, Adler, uh, that don't get a lot of media attention relative to a guy like Chris Spieler or haven't so far in their career. And and for those of you who do, um, this is going to be a weird one, but there was this silhouette of Chris wearing headphones that everyone in the community knew. He wore these. He had this really distinct look when he worked out. He because he he was he had the shaved head and his you totally recognized his frame. And then he had these big headphones on with a, a wire hanging down them, not even wireless. He had a Walkman. <laughs> was it? Yeah, probably. It probably was a Walkman. Literal, or like a CD player. Probably. Yeah, and actually, I think that in some ways, like Yonikoski reminds me of Chris Spieler a little bit as well because oftentimes they were doing great early in the competition, and so there's a lot of t- attention on them during that period of time, and so sometimes it skews their overall performance where you used to be like, you could recognize Yonikoski's greatness because he has all these times with the leader jersey but that's just based on the ordering of events and i think we're going to get to him in a minute whereas a guy like cole sager's never been in the leader's jersey because the events that he's great at aren't aren't at the front of the competition you know ever really uh, um that was an incredible finish right there by the way uh, where it shows graham and uh spieler i can't remember who someone dove on the track 
Pyramid at, double Helen. At the at the end here, this was fucking batshit crazy. Someone dove. Uh, I will also say this, Spieler. How could I be a Spieler hater? In 2009, um, well, he did do a, a pretty funny thing on COVID and it makes him hateable. But in 2009, he went into the final event in first place. And that was an incredible year. 2009 or 2008? 2008. Wait, what year did Jason win? 2008. Sorry, 2008. In 2008, Spieler went into the event in first place. And the way they did that year was so fucking brilliant. They've never done that again, right? Every second counts? Yeah. Not really. God, it was fucking good. Basically, what they did is they let people start based on how many based on how many seconds ahead they were of the guy behind them they let someone start I don't know, i'm not i'm not explaining that very well at all i need to give you a good example do you want to explain it brian no. yeah we just take the three of us if i was 30 seconds ahead of you and you were a minute again ahead of caleb i would start you would start 30 seconds later and he would start a minute after you but whichever one of us finished first would finish higher for the overall ranking on the weekend and that was the case across the board where no, no matter when you started the final event, it was your order of finish of that event that didn't only correlate. Didn't, actually, it didn't even necessarily correlate to your finish in that event, but it was exactly the reflection of where your overall finish on the leaderboard would be. So Kalipa, I think it was 10 out of 10 in the final heat or nine out of 10 going into that final event. And, you know, that's the famous story of Dave asking, like, what are you doing in this line? Yes, yes. And then, he, but he, he started after almost everyone and he finished before everyone by... Uh, a minute and eight seconds, and he was the crown the CrossFit Games champion. And the only footage of him finishing was from his dad's cell phone, I think. <laughs> yeah, or I think maybe Austin Bougie being had a, a, sh- a shitty, like shaky video camera there. But, but the, I, wonder, I don't know where the CrossFit media director was. <laughs> Probably filming Josh Everett. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the uh, the CrossFit media director there did not want me making that movie. He was fully against it. Uh, that so basically, as you hear, Jason started over a minute after everyone else and still beat everyone, so all the fans could see he won the CrossFit Games, and it was absolutely fucking nuts. Just and put it in perspective. His squat clean grace that year at 155, I think it was at 155, was 246. The next fastest finisher, you're going to love this, Evan. I bet you don't know this. Who is second place in this workout? Max Mormont. Wow. 324. Wow. wow. And for those of you who don't know, Max is a giant man. And been Ma- around forever. Uh, Max forever. Mormont one time, you could probably find this pretty easy, Caleb. Max Mormont one time, Turkish get up me. Oh yeah, I found that. I just put that, pulled that up earlier. Also, and, in 2018 at the West Regional, when you abandoned me on the podcast and made me host it, Max Mormont was our guest with Mike Workington. Oh, that's awesome. He's a good dude, right? Uh, yeah, I was pretty nervous for that. It was only like the fifth podcast I ever done. You're like, oh, you got it. Just host the show. You and Mike could talk to Max. It'll be great. Thankfully, Mike and Max knew each other really well, so the conversation flowed nicely. And, and Max has tons of stories, of course. So. Where did I go? Was I out drinking? I it was like an affiliate gathering outside. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good times. You're a good dude. Save me again. So that's the story with uh, Chris Spieler. Spencer Hendel, twenty uh, second, considered by many to be. Uh, and and Max Mormont's an affiliate owner, right? Like, does he own CSA or 
Costa Mesa CrossFit or Costa Mesa for a long Costa time. I, I, I think it still does. I'm not, I haven't heard otherwise. Pretty famous gym. Uh, Coach Christian Lucero for uh, several years. Who I hear is trying to become a seal. I think so. Yeah. Which is, uh, you don't often see that. Like, you know, when, once you're over 30, that someone go makes that attempt. Spencer Hendel. I, say that again. Said they usually don't make it. Uh, Spencer Hendel, uh, who I've heard by many people might be the most athletic, which is pretty amazing to say, being that you got someone like Rich Ronian, uh, the most athletic uh, CrossFit Games athlete to ever partake. I think people did expect uh, more from him. Uh, a, a super fucking cool dude. He was, a, he was cool kind dude. of, yeah, he was definitely a freak athlete to watch that could, you know, he's incredibly strong for a majority of his career, but he could also run pretty well for his size and move his body through space. I think Spencer Hendel was actually, uh, and I've, I know I've talked about this before, is one of the is one is a really important figure for modern day athletes to un, to, to study his career because he wasn't living up to the potential that people thought he had. He finished twelfth, seventeenth, ninth, thirteenth, and he just seemed to be stagnant. And then all of a sudden, in two thousand fifteen, he finishes fifth, which is not a podium finish. It's not winning the games, but after four years of not being able to get really make any progress, all of a sudden he, he bumps up the leaderboard and he moved up the leaderboard significantly on the last day. It's one of the biggest examples that I'm a re that I am not in favor of cuts this year's, this past year's cuts model was probably the best one I've ever seen. I think cutting the last 10 is okay. I don't like cutting even 20 mm -hmm. by the last day, but his totality of training that year changed. And he talked about it because they're like, dude, you won this, uh, you, you end up doing fifth. How'd you make an improvement this year? And you did that even though you hadn't improved or you didn't do well on the strength events. He goes, well, yeah, I was consistently winning or close to winning the strength events, but being that strong was hurting me in so many other domains. I didn't lift this year. I focused on everything else and my strength was still good enough to get that like a 10th place finish, but look at how I did on all these other workouts. And I lasted over the weekend better than most. And he had great finishes on Sunday. It was uh, like that dumbbell snatch work. I think it was pedal to the metal one and two. He did really well on and, uh, and ended up moving all the way up to fifth place. And that was a pretty good year. Ben Smith, Matt Prazer, BKG, Dan Bailey are the only guys who beat him, all of whom are ahead of him on this list. And he beat Scott Panchik, Cole Sager, Noel Olson, Yonikoski, Jacob Hepner, Alex Vigneault. The top 11 guys from that year are all on this top 30. And he beat more than half of them. Uh, how big was Spencer? I always remember him as being usually the biggest guy out in the field listed at six, two to 15 that year. And I yeah, think that he was actually dude. competing. I mean, you never, I can never, you can never trust those stats, but that's pretty close to probably what he was. He Most moved his career. I would bet he weighed a little less that year. He moved really, really well. Okay, fine. Uh, Spieler was the, one of the first people to get COVID in the CrossFit community. And he made a video whining about it like a bitch. What? Just going, just answer. And and uh, Austin Maliolo spearheaded the charge of getting rid of Greg Glassman amongst the L1 staff. Fine. There you go. Now you know. There you know. Do you just but, have an inner monologue with yourself? Nah, I just, I'm, I read some comments. Oh, okay. I thought this was like a Smeagol Gollum moment for you. Okay. Maybe it, maybe it was. Like the you whole know, time like, I was talking about Spencer Hendel, you, were, you weren't listening at all. You were just having an internal No, I was debate. listening. I was listening. I was listening. I'm trying my best. To, uh, Saxon Panchik, number 21. I For some reason, I'm okay with him at 21. I do think this man is a serious, if not the most serious threat to Justin Medeiros. This man is a serious – he has a great training team, and he uh, – well, that's, I mean, 
I think my understanding is Tia is is moving back to Australia, and that that no shit what that, that environment's going to change. I'm, what? That's my understanding. So we'll see how that environment. What's uh, your source on that? What's your source on that? I don't actually don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. That's okay. This is a podcast where people come to get canceled, right? That's that's what it should be. As I should say that on the bottom. Wait a second. Uh, would she take Brooke Wells with her? I would assume no. I mean, I'm sure you know Brooke has a. But who knows? That would be a fun, like Brooke's not that old. She's in her mid to late twenties. Um, I don't know if she has any serious relationship or anything like that. I think it'd be super fun for Brooke to maybe take a year or two and go live in Australia. You know, they seem to be incredibly close as friends. Maybe she stays there after the uh, Down Under CrossFit Championships and experiences Tia's home country for this season. Uh, If the landscape of the competitive season changes where you can compete where you live, maybe she competes in the Oceania region, which would be kind of cool. Um where would all of her athletes go? Would the, do they go to coddle camp? HWPO, no, no, no. where I you get coddled, be, or do you go to the Mayhem Empire? And <laughs> I think they'll uh, still be a proven training center in Nashville. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Tia and Shane also opened one in in Australia. And I've I heard Harry Pally is is leaving HWPO and go and going to run the proven training camp. And um, no, you didn't. Oh. Harry's good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a good rumor. Harry oh. what? Harry what? Harry's Harry? What? Tell me about Harry. Harry's a great guy. I don't think I honestly don't think that Harry needs any training camp if he doesn't want one. I think he is a standalone great coach, uh, independent of anything like that. He might enjoy being a part of a, a, a bigger group or network of coaches, but I think that guy is vastly underrated in terms of uh, his prowess as a coach. Is she fucking nuts moving back to Australia? I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a similar conversation to Katrin. It's like you know, you leave your home where, where you grew up and have all these, you know, friends and family, or whatever, for so many years to go pursue your career or your dreams or whatever. And uh, after a certain amount of time, you go back home. We've talked about it over and over again. I left my, I left for 13 years, Chicago, before I came back here. Yeah, that's a shithole, too. <clears throat> wow. Yep. But I have a great community <laughs> here around me. Yeah, I understand. I just can't believe these people go back to these places. Like if you have the option to fucking live in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and Scottsdale, Arizona, and San Diego, California, and you choose Iceland or Australia, you're out of your fucking mind. Or Chicago. I mean, well, some people can set aside those really the really unfortunate things about those places and appreciate I mean, the, the small community they're in. Or the, I mean, I'm, I haven't been to Australia. I'd love to go uh, at some point if they'll ever let me in again. But uh, no, nice, not be nice. I'm sure that it's a beautiful place. Bring your extra money for, to get quarantine. You need to get your hotel money to be thirty k. I've been stashing it aside just for that. Uh, Tommy Hackenbrook, uh, what a stud! What a fucking stud! Like, maybe the most manly dude on the uh, on on the list, right? I mean, like he probably he probably did all the events with like. <laughs> <laughs> a utility belt on or carrying an axe. What a stud. And he, he crosses this, this, he crosses both eras, right? He's kind of like old school and modern. No, he's just old school, more old school. The the thing that's so, you know, his, you see his average rank there is 10th. It's better than anyone else on this list. And that's with a 23rd, his other finishes were second, ninth and sixth. Very, very good. The thing that's holding Tommy back here is just his, his 
uh, total number of appearances is only four. Obviously, uh, he also has some team accolades to his credit, which we're not factoring in here. But if he'd competed a couple more years as an individual, he could be even higher on this list. Uh, and there also, was that one, and you know, there was that one year where he seemed to be the biggest threat to Rich. Yep, yep, yep. And you've talked about that quite a bit. And and he played it up so well for the crowd. Even if he didn't believe it, he played it up for the crowd so well. And maybe he did believe it. There's a year with the overhead squat where they both went for 400 pounds, I think. Oh, that was man. fucking great. It's kind of, I feel like that is, like, the fact that none of the men hit the 350 sandbag this year will be, like, on par with the fact that they never, that no one hit the 400-pound overhead squat that year. Like, I just wish someone had done it. I don't care who it would have been. Is he is he is he done? Do, does he do? Tommy's coaching. He's coaching for Underdogs Athletics. He's coaching the Kalashnikov team from Russia this year. As far as a competitive athlete, I don't know. I think that a lot of these guys, they're still so fit, and they, and a lot of people who competed in that era, men and women, have realized I actually don't have to train three and four and five and six hours a day to ha- to maintain a fairly high level of fitness. I think if he turned forty or turned forty five in like, in like a year or two before that decided he wanted to pursue a run at the master's competition that he is more than capable of doing that, but he's got a lot of other interests and investments and it is a big commitment. So that I just have to be something that he either decides to do or not. Stones an affiliate. I'm not sure. Husband, father, Renaissance man, or just ADD. I don't see an affiliate tag in there. Uh, if if you guys, uh, he um, was uh, on that show, Broken Skull Ranch, kicking ass too. Was that what it was called? Which is a pretty fucking cool show. Tom and Steve Austin, Broken Skull Challenge. Oh yeah, that should move him up for you. I agree, Johnny. That yeah. shit was dope. We don't factor in anything other than the CrossFit Games, individual accolades, and the Steve Austin Broken Skull Challenge. Johnny, me and but you will make wrestling that. in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think uh, Hunter McIntyre came in and just cleaned house. Wouldn't it be great to take this this list of thirty and and just uh, do like a bracket style wrestling competition? And theoretically, just rank, just pick them to advance to the finals all the way through. Pay per like view. Wouldn't you like that, Savan? I would love it. Uh, do wrestling or or like MMA? Wrestling. I don't want to see. I don't want to see some of these guys get hurt. Uh, Sam Sam Samuel Samuel Quant. Uh, five games appearances. Uh, are we? Definitely, is, the is, is, obviously, the biggest mover on this list jumped up eight spots here from last year, um, and understandably so. I mean, he went from being basically irrelevant due to illness that was a very and continues to be very mysterious uh, after taking second at a stranger at the games. But this, you know, if you look back, like you were talking earlier, to his first couple years, sixteenth, twentieth, thirteenth or maybe 19th, 20th, 13th from 2016 for a couple of years. And then what he did this year against what I am more and more that I study it, the more and more I'm starting to think this is this, this past year, even absent not having a guy like Fraser phoning in the field is the strongest men's field that we've ever seen at least one through 20, maybe one through 30. Um, and he finished fourth. I have an article coming out later this week that details how impressive the performances by the all three podium finishers were this year. Uh, and he was just knocking on the door right behind that. Um, Samuel Quan took fourth place at the games this year. Yeah, so he has a second and a fourth, and then a sixth. I was right, sixteenth, twenty-first, and thirteenth in his three other years, which were I would say like those. You know, he was really young at that time. Um, 
that was thir- the thirteenth. I think was in the two thousand nineteen games. <clears throat> we got he got cut along with Fellner and Sager and Chandler Smith and all these guys, and it just sucked that that whole group had to get cut right there because a lot of them would have pushed into the top ten if they could continue to compete throughout the weekend. Um, but what's impressive is that he beat Adler and Vellner. Crazy. Yeah. And, and Sam Quant's one of these guys, like, I really hope that whatever that was, that illness or complication that he had is behind him because he's still young and he can, I think he can have a really impressive run of years. Like I said, I think what his current coach, Harry Pally, who he seems to have an incredible relationship is amongst the best coaches now, if not all time in the sport. And, uh, I think that they are, they are poised to have several top 10 or top five, maybe even podium finishes over the next couple seasons, a few seasons if they want to. D- does Harry Pally do, do interviews? Let's find out. I would, I mean, not, I would, I would probably, I don't know if I'd even need to be on it. I would love to watch him, you know, you and him have a conversation. I'm going to type in a uh, Harry P A L L E Y. Yes. Podcast and see if he's been on podcast. Harry Pally podcast. My guess is if he has, it's either very, very recently and something a little bit more obscure or from at least three years ago. Oh, it looks like they had him on Get With The Programming in 2021. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm looking to see if he... Oh, yeah, there he is. Oh, shit. He... That Maybe I had him on the show. He looks familiar. Mm, I don't know. I don't recognize that bed in the background. I wish I could show you the things that uh, YouTube thinks that I should be watching. (laughs) Uh, Behind the programming, episode number one, Harry Harry Pally programs listening notes. Oh, so he was on a comp train uh, podcast also. Uh, this looks, you know, I don't see here. I'll click it. Oh no, that was get with the, sorry. That's get with the programming too. Okay. Uh, he's got his own Reddit thread. Who the fuck wants that? Not me. Yeah. I only see get with the programming. You think that people don't invite him or he just hasn't, he, he doesn't do them. We'll find out. I'll, I'll I'll DM him right after the show. Harry Pally. What a great name, too. Okay. Uh, Tommy Hackenbrook, Sam O'Quan. Travis Mayer moves up four. Uh, that surprised me, but but I'm happy to see that. Why does he get to move up four? Because why does he get to move up four? Did he do something good, or did someone else do something bad? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that Travis is his his overall career is just, uh, I'm sorry about that noise. If you can hear it, it is weird to have Miko Salo ahead of Travis and Samuel Kwan. Right. Uh Oh, Brian froze. No, there's, see, hear that remote control airplane. It's like an emergency testing. They do in the town that noise every Tuesday morning at 10 AM or the first Tuesday of the month at 10 AM. Um, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, uh, still going on. It's so bad. It's right by the gym too. It's terrible. Uh, so, so tell me. So, so it is weird. I mean, look at these. I mean, Travis and Samuel, Samuel Quant. I mean, they're especially Travis. He's like kind of like a staple, and you got him ahead of Miko Salo. And he, 
behind Nico Seal. It's yeah, uh, like, a, you know, the smaller the sample size for the athlete, the harder it is for me to place them on this list. So, you know, like I said, Justin and Miko are the only two on the list with three appearances. Um, you Who, could, Justin and Miko? Yeah. You could argue, and I think like, uh, you you know, because of that, you could certainly argue that they're both should be maybe lower because they haven't proven that they can do it over a long period of time in the case, but they also are two, are two of a very few select group of men who've managed to win ever. And then Justin's obviously done it twice. So you have, you know, like you can't ignore how great some of their performances are. Nico has a, f- a first and a third and a most, and like a 30 something uh, finish. Um, and Miko's the lowest placing champ on this list, which is, which, which says something. Which 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 kind of yeah. makes it a little more understandable that, but it is hard to see him uh, ahead of Travis Mayer, who has fucking eight trips to. Well, the he's the lowest games. placing champ on this list, but James Fitzgerald's not even on the list. Oh shit! Wow! Wow! So is James the only champ who's not on this list? Yeah. Only. And you'll and when we do the women, there'll be uh, some that won't be on the list. Also, some. Teaser. Poor Tanya Wagner. No shit. You you asked Katie Henniger. I will not be a part of that show. I need to see that ahead of time. <laughs> I didn't even get yesterday. I admitted on the show that I used to have a crush on Katie. I didn't even get in trouble with my wife. She texts me. I um me too. That was weird. I was never <laughs> never. She never said shit like that. I was like, wow. Doesn't everybody? And then I text her back. I was just joking. She's like. Uh, to silence, yeah, crickets. I wasn't joking. No. Uh, Miko Salo, uh, Travis Mayer, Miko Salo, uh, Matt Chan. Does someone like Travis Mayer only start to slide down the list? Probably. I mean, if you look behind him, you see guys like Sam Quatt, Saxon Panchik, and Jeff Adler. And how many more years can Travis Mayer, you know, continue to string together games, qualifications, top twenty finishes? Can he ever push into the top ten again? And um, you know, he. And, but that's just going to happen over time to a lot of these guys. You know, eventually there's there's always going to be new people coming up, and it's it's one of the biggest struggles that I have uh, is, you know, when a, you know these guys certain guys are like done competing. Like Alex Vigneault dropped down a bit this year because of how poorly he did at the games. If he hadn't competed, he probably wouldn't have dropped as much. So it's like um, he still would have dropped a few spots because there's a couple other guys that that were new on the list that push him down regardless. But, you know, suddenly his career, even though he has, you know, doesn't look as impressive as a guy like Alex Anderson or Jacob Hepner's anymore adding in this this past year, because it's not really. Anyway, so, yeah, over time, Travis will, will slide down. I, I want I want to uh, go back really quick and, and just to bear with me here. Can you go back to number 30? I'm going to read their names, Brian, and you just tell me which way they're going next year quickly based on just a guess. Austin Maliolo. Down. Neil Maddox. Down. Kyle Kasperbauer. Down. Alex Vigneault. Unknown. Down. Alex Anderson. I'll do the ones you get stuck on. Alex Anderson. Down. A lot of them are probably going to be down like one or two. Uh, uh, Jacob Hepner. Down. Jeffrey Adler. Up. Up. Up, right? Up. For sure up, right? Yeah, he he just basically has to show up. I mean, he doesn't literally all Adler has to do. I shouldn't say all it's hard. He but if he makes it to the games, he's going up. Even if he takes fucking 35th. He's going up. I don't know about that, dude. That would give him a fifth appearance. 
Yeah, and it would drastically hurt his his, his uh, overall performance. Uh, Chris Beeler. Down. Spencer Handel. Down. Saxon Panchik. Question. Oh, shit. That's disgusting. I think Saxon's at a at a critical point in his career right now where he could he, he could take another step forward and continue to to threaten for top fives, maybe eventually a podium finish. Or we it's possible that what we saw last year from Saxon's the best we'll ever see. Peak. Wow. That's like oh who's big a more unknown, Saxon Panchik or Samuel Quant? I, I'm tempted to say right now Saxon. I think that what we saw from this year from Sam is something that I'm expecting to see more of. And I'm not sure if we're, if next year or two years we'll see something more like what we saw from Saxon this year or last year. Oh, come on, Saxon. Th- that was supposed to be a slam dunk. I compared you to the fucking guy who vanishes because he's sick. And uh, Brian says you're the bigger unknown and your fucking camp's unraveling. He is going to wrestle alligators. I bet you she got like a TV show deal or something. She, she has something going on over there. Or she doesn't want to travel back and forth. She knows she's going to have to be there for semifinals. Do you think she's going to compete again next year? No. No shit. God, you know stuff. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, Tommy Hackenbrook, which way? Down. Uh, Sam Samuel Quant. Up. Uh, wow. Wow. Travis Mayer. I think you're going up too, Samuel, but I just, I'm saying wow because of <laughs> how he couldn't say that about Saxon. Travis Mayer. No change. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Miko Salo. Down. Uh, Matt Chan. Hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's just getting tough. It's like. Down. Gonna, Come uh, on, down. <laughs> He's fucking older than a fucking T-Rex fossil. Yeah, down. You're right. Not that uh, he's not because he's older. It's just I'm trying to think about who's going to be coming into the list and where they could potentially be. Uh, this next one is really weird. Graham Holmberg, because he has a title, but he's behind Yanikoski. He has six appearances. I think what happened, I'm going to take a guess, and then we'll ask Brian. Brian uh, isn't respecting the fact he's a bit old school for Brian, so he gets dinged for uh, having some of his victories so far in the past. He did beat the champ. He did beat the champ. Yes. Graham Holmberg, you're happy with him at 15th? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's a very, this is a great, great little snapshot here of some uh, like old school legends, Bridges, Bailey, and Holmberg, compared to some more modern crossfitters in Cole Sager and Yonikowski who have displayed more capacity for longevity, but less excellence than the other three. And so, the, you know, this is like this, the range where it really gets, difficult to assess i mean look at dan's average finish in his career compared to these guys it's almost twice as good 6.8 compared to 12 or 14 i don't know this for a fact but i think graham holmberg is the most old school now on the list like 15 and up i think he's been around longer than dan or josh competing at the games do you know graham's first year showing up at the games his ever first year i'll have to check that but 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 probably earlier than Dan or Josh, right? Uh, two thousand nine, I think. No shit. Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy. Oh, and then sorry, except for Jason Kalipa. Mm-hmm. Man, it's crazy. Kalipa's number five. But I guess he yeah, deserves Holmberg it. Yeah, is two thousand nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fifteen. Okay, so. I mean, he's fucking old school. 
he could wear one of those OG shirts and not like have to like, uh, well, uh, Chase and Bill gave it to me. I mean, he can just be like, yeah, I'm OG. He can wear it. He showed this unusual, like he got it. He won obviously in 2010 and then he just had a consistent regression after that. He went down to fourth, 10th, 14th, missed a year, 24th, never saw him again. His total resume is good, obviously, but uh, you know if you were to parallel that with someone like Jeff Adler, who over a five-year span has just continued to get better, it's a very, it's a pretty noticeably different trend. Tanya Wagner got kicked off the list for her awful commentary. D- dude, tell me who's better. I w- I think she's as good as Chase or Sean or I think she's fucking great. I like listening to her. You don't like her, Brian? Her commentary. I think she's uh, fucking amazing. I, I I don't know what this guy's really talking about. I but I haven't Good listened answer. to much of the stuff that she's um, commentated on from this year. I never waxed Henniger, but fucking Tanya Wagner. I think she I, honestly, I think she's the best commentator, and I think the best floor girl is uh, or do, guy. Wow, there's some good ones, but I really like Jamie Hagaya because she's oh, comfortable would, in I her mean, skin down there. Yeah, Jamie's the, the, great, but you you had to say. Um, I like Mark Mike Arsenault, but I think he oh, does a different role. Yeah, he he knows a lot of shit, and he just speaks well. He's clever. He's concise. He gets to the point, but it's also okay. Engaging. Don't get carried away. Don't get carried away. You're just saying you like people. I'm trying to be a little more detailed. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. but you know, I throw the pillows there. You're backing up your you're backing up your uh, thoughts with data. You're not woke like me. I just go by feelings. Uh, Yanikoski, good to see him on the list. I honestly can't believe how consistent he is and that he's still in the game. I feel he's like not he's not that consistent. He's not? These are his events. His finishes at the games. 32nd, 9th, 9th, 7th, 37th, 6th, 15th. He has actually uh, uh, a big range. It's basically, it's due to his health. By consistent, I mean consistent at the games. The, the fact that he's been around for so many – sorry, consistent is not the word. That he sustains such longevity. That's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, right. because when you start – like what you were doing earlier, you start looking at the only people on the list with more appearances than him are Ben Smith, Scott Panchik, BKG, Noah Olson, and Cole Sager. And, and he's Jonathan only 27 Hossi, or 8 years old. And he missed a year, right, and came back? Yeah. Didn't he take a – like he got – yeah. And that's nuts. Another thing that uh, probably maybe some of you don't know is Yanikoski was uh, Miko Salo's protege. His first couple years. 27 years old, and he's already got eight appearances. And I'm pretty sure at one point Miko told him, hey, you have to move on from me and grow. I'm holding – He basically Miko told him, he's, I'm holding you back. That's a hell of a coach. That is yeah. a hell of a coach. It's always a tough – tough thing for athletes and coaches to know when is it, uh, when is it time to move on? And I think in some cases we've seen uh, people stay for too long. And in other cases, we've seen people not give it enough time. Uh, Cole Sager, uh, staple in the community, hard worker, badass, this, yeah, kind of a modern day, kind of a, a, a modern day Spencer Hendel, always respected for his athleticism. It's interesting as a personality that he never, that he hasn't grown more in the sport. I think a lot of people really like him. Um, he's easy on the eyes. Uh, he's been there, but he's kind of, he's kind of fading into like his popularity. Like, it's sort of like a Becca Voigt figure, right? Like this guy over nine consecutive years, his range of finishes is 
5th to 20th and 20th was in 2020 in the online competition otherwise in live competition in eight year of eight appearances over nine live years range of finishes 5th to 17th that is a remarkable level of consistency that spans eras and is a incredible testament to this guy's durability and intelligence when it comes to an overall approach to this sport and his health and fitness how the fuck is dan bailey ahead of cole sager yanikoski grandma you fucked up this is a mistake right dan's you know like i said the small dan's ahead of travis mayer are you out of your fucking gourd we've talked about this before we know you and dan are best friends sixth sixth eighth tenth fourth sixth sixth eighth tenth fourth in five years six six eighth tenth fourth yeah so it's like he retired in fourth. he took fourth and that was his last year yeah 2015 after uh, he was one spot ahead of spencer hendel that year behind bkg fraser and ben smith all of whom are ahead of nick that's that's him missing the podium by one spot that year um <clears throat> and definitely is in the conversation along with scott panchik as the best guy who's, who's ever competed to never podium but uh, for a five-year stretch, it's as it's as good as as anyone. Uh, you can take any five-year sample of Cole Sager's career, any five-year sample of Travis Mayer's career, and or Yonikowski's career, and it doesn't stack up to that. Even if you take the best five years that Cole Sager had, it's five, seven, seven, eleven, and twelve, and Dan still weighs is is better over that time. But it was only five years, so you know. It's it, like I said that that does make it tough, but I think we have to give credit to Dan for what he did during those. I don't years. think we have to give him credit for shit. Dan and Dan is only five appearances, and Rich Froning has only had five appearances. Graham Holmberg yeah, won the CrossFit Games and smashed Rich Froning, and smashed he, uh, Rich <laughs> and, and and he has six appearances, and he's fucking behind Dan Bailey, Yannikowski. We just talked about his longevity. Cole Sager nine. Three Nine points. three points smashed him. Uh, Travis Mayer, eight appearances. You love the list. Uh, I'm gonna predict that Dan will fall more than anyone else, uh, next year. Well, so I mean, this is the question that I wasn't sure about, and I would, I'm definitely open to people providing feedback on this. Um, in the case of the athletes that are no longer competing. If I look at the, like, there were some of them where I looked at the list this year and I'm like, man, I know I had them there last year and I, I can understand why, but I maybe I overranked them or underranked them. But they haven't actually done anything to change that. It's, you know, is it appropriate for me to make an adjustment? So I didn't, on this list, I didn't make any adjustments for the guys who have not competed. I only moved around guys that did, that did compete and then everyone else would slide up or down based on how those, those people moved. Oh, that's and, interesting detail. And I'm not sure if I should or not, if I, you know, if like we could take Dan, for example, and I could say in the totality of the understanding that I've gained from 2021, and since I haven't changed him here to 2023, is it reasonable for me to move him down the list because his appearances are now becoming less relevant as more and more people have six and seven and eight. And I think that's okay. But for me to say, well, now Graham is better than him, even though Graham also has done nothing. I don't know if that's right or not. Like if I took an independent list of retired athletes, why would I suddenly a year later justify moving Graham ahead of Dan? Because you you clean the cobwebs out between your ears. Yeah, so you know, and it's it's something that I've been wrestling with and asking myself. Um, 
What's the green mean? The best in that category on that page. Okay. And uh, that was a... And I do remember Josh Bridges being number 10 last year because I remember him saying he thought he should be higher. He wasn't... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He was 10 last year. Uh, Josh Bridges, six appearances, one podium. Um, So, uh, eight, eight event wins. Uh-oh. Let me go back over here. Travis Mayer's zero. Travis Mayer's Third never had an time. event. Travis Mayer's never had an event win at the CrossFit Games. No. Who's We're the just, highest ranked guy who's never had an event win? Event wins. Highest ranked guy with no event wins. Travis. Only guy in the top 20 without one. The only other guys on the list without one are Alex Vigneault. That's it. Every other Ch- guy on the list has won at least one event. Holy shit. Wow. Travis, got to get get me a win so I could get, got to get me a win, buddy. Got to get me a win. Give me more ammo, more ammo. Uh, Josh Bridges, number 11. Noah Olson, number 10. Uh, Brent Fikowski. Um, I, I'm, I'm not arguing with you, but why Brent ahead of Noah? What's the thing that just jumps out at you? 4-2-4-3. His best finish is at the games. Two, four, five, six, also pretty good. I mean, this is pretty tight. Uh, yeah, this is pretty tight. I could, it's like kind of splitting hairs between these three guys. I would put BKG in that list with those guys as well. So all three of those guys, Bjorgen, B- Carl. 3, 3, 4, 5, 5, 8, 8, 9. I think that's a little bit better than the other two. Um, yeah, it's tough. That's tough right there. I want to – uh, and then number seven, Justin Medeiros. Number six, uh, Scott Panchik. Uh, what do, what do you got to say about Scotty? Uh, is, is Scotty? It, let's say Scott comes back next year for one more year. Mm-hmm. Is there anything he could do to hurt himself in this rankings? Even if like he takes fortieth, or does tenth uh, appearance? If he like, took fortieth, that would be because of a withdrawal or an injury. It's not right. going to happen otherwise. How about a twenty? How about a twenty fifth? Like, does that ding him, or does it just mean a lot that he would get his tenth? Um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be enough on its own to 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 move him down past certainly past anyone who's not competing. What you know, Medeiros almost definitely will jump him next year. BKG, Fukowski, and Olsen, if they also compete, could have the potential to base. I mean, let's say that Brent finds a way to come back and finish fourth again next year, and BKG somehow ends up fifth again next year, and maybe Noel Olsen moves back into the top ten and takes seventh. You know, you could potentially see a guy like Scott slide down one, two, three, four spots over the next couple of years. But I, I don't know. I think that uh, the next year or two uh, will be his last year, Noah's last year, Brent's last year. I'm not sure how many more years BK will do it for. Um, but yeah, Scott could, do, could you know, I, I don't think any performance on its own would necessarily move him backwards on this list. He's already achieved so much. Fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth, 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 eleventh, fourth, eleventh. Incredible. Never been on the podium for nine years. Just unbelievably consistent. Never been on the podium. Crazy. Wow. Uh, number five, Jason Kalipa. Kind of. I guess I would say this. Now that, you know the numbers on their own is very close between Noah and Brent. Noah's best years came in the the, the years that were anomalies. Two thousand nineteen was his best finish of second. Two thousand twenty, he finished. 
He made the top five. Brent did not. So it's kind of a, a weird conversation because Brent's two worst years before this year were Noah's two best years. And Brent, in the meantime, was stringing together podium finishes in years more traditional where you had a full field of athletes competing over the duration of the test. And it's, you know, we have to uh, acknowledge that 2019 and 20 existed, but I don't think that they weigh as heavily as what Brent was able to do 2016, 17, 18, and 21. When I look at these, this is just my, I don't know if you did this to me or I don't know what's going on in my brain, but I think of the, I think that you weighed these in order of how you have them here, meaning you gave appearances the most value, then titles, then podiums, then top tens, then average finish, then event wins. But that's not true, right? But that's the way I keep thinking. <clears throat> no, not necessarily. I mean, I, I tried my best to look at the big picture and to be as objective as possible across the entire landscape of the CrossFit Games history recognizing that the field of competition was very different in terms of number of participants and also um, caliber of, of athlete and depth of field in terms of people attempting to be great uh, at different times. But it's a really, I mean, it's really challenging to do and to try to conceptualize how someone like Graham Holmberg did over five years compared to someone like, you know, uh, Jeff Adler or Sam Quant in the five years that he's competed that have all happened after Graham has finished. Um, Javier Acosta, Madeiras below Pancheck is a head scratcher. Winning the games is not weighed highly enough. Top 10 shouldn't be weighed at all or very weakly weighted. I don't know if I agree with that. Remember how hard it is to get to the CrossFit games. I mean, it is hard. To have an appearance is... I'll just say this. I talked to BKG right after the final event of this year. Mm. He finished ninth. Okay. This is worst finish at the games since his rookie year. Okay. He thinks he was as fit as he's ever been this year. The guys that had... The field was so good that the fittest version of BKG, the healthiest version of BKG, managed his worst finish. He's only 29. It's not like he's 34, 35 years old. Because the field's just getting better and better. And there's two kids that, that finished ahead of him, Lazar and Hopper. And he, he still managed to beat Guy, who was right behind him. But you still have these guys like Noah taking 12th and, Co and Cole taking 13th. That despite the fact that that field is getting better and getting younger and getting deeper outside of the games, that people are trying to make it there, that they're still finding a way to leverage the fitness that they've had into impressive performances at the games. I don't think it's a slight against BKG at all that he finished ninth this year. It's a testament to him that he's still able to have that top 10 finish despite the fact that the field of competitors is improving and he's getting older. Um, so when you put out this list last year, um, one through five were still Matt Fraser, Rich Froning, Ben Smith, Patrick Vellner, then Jason Kaliba, correct? Yeah. And then, and then Scott Panchik. And then Justin Medeiros was... Uh, not on the list. Not eligible for the list. Not uh, not eligible. Okay, and that's why it says new. And then Bjorkman went down one, Brent Fikowski went down one, and Noah went down one. And that's all because Medeiros has popped in there. Yep. 
And where did you when you originally saw so so let's just say you have these six names, right? Not let's say you do have these six names. I'll say them again. Fraser, Rich, Ben, Patrick, Jason, and Scott. And then seventh, you have Medeiros. When you put this list together, did Medeiros immediately land in the seventh spot, or did you like did you like slide? Did you ever stick him in three and was like, whoa, nope? Yeah, you did. Yeah, and I was just like, no, he had to battle all of these dudes in your head. Like you're like, yeah. Medeiros, Ben Smith, da da. Nope, sorry, Ben wins. Medeiros, Patrick Vellner, oh no, sorry, Vellner wins. Medeiros, Jason Kalipa, oh Jason wins. That's how you did it. Yeah, but I think that. You know, and also it's, you know, it's, it's one of these things like if I just put them third this year, it almost takes the fun out of it. It's like, oh, it's, wow. It's really difficult to catch Rich and Matt. He might be able to do it eventually. Oh, he's going to do it, dude. I'm telling you, he's going to we'll do see. it. This kid is a savage. We'll see. And, and, and once uh, this article I was talking about comes out later this week, you'll see that this performances that he's had are not just wins. They are very mm-hmm. impressive wins. Um, who? Who? Justin. Yeah. And it's not lost on me of how good he had to be to beat these guys, Belner last year, Roman and Ricky this year. Uh, and there's a, some pretty cool numbers that I didn't even uh, I didn't know at first until I did the the research that support not just these being a back to back wins, but being very impressive event wins. I just. I want to see him. I want to see him do it. I want to see him come back for a fourth, for a fifth, for a sixth year, and continue to excel even as the field continues to improve, and uh, as he matures a little bit more as an athlete. He still has only managed to win one event despite having two uh, wins at the CrossFit Games. His average event finish, which isn't on this list, his average overall finishes, his average event finish is very good. His consistency is incredible. And the performance that he's done are not lost on me at all. But I want to give him the opportunity to earn the right to move ahead of these guys by doing it over doing being excellent over time, not just immediately giving him the third spot when he's only competed for three years. Because if he decides all of a sudden to not compete anymore, then I'd have to I think I'd have to move him back down. Man, two wins. I don't more, know, man. More titles than event wins. <laughs> Interesting set. Wow. Really? He only, Justin Medeiros only has one event win at the CrossFit Games? Zero in 2020. One last year on the final event and none this year. Yeah, that's incredible. <clears throat> so, so next year, if he wins, you put him at number three. And then the next year he wins, uh, he still uh, stays at number three with four wins. And then the next year he wins and he has five. Now you have a problem. Now you got a real fucking problem on your hands, Mr. Friend. Well, they will fun, fucking you know, lynch you if you put them ahead of Froning in three years. But it's going to be a problem. All the guys that would lynch me for that are going to be too old themselves by then to do anything about it. And you'll have and you'll have twenty more pounds on your snatch by then. Maybe. Okay. Wow. Okay. So this big big year uh, in the rankings for Medeiros, he wins, he jumps up uh, in, a lot. I mean, I think if he wins, if he wins again next year, without a doubt, he'll he'll bump past Jason and Scott. It would be the the worst. He'll be and is Patrick Beth. and Patrick. If Velner takes second to him again, Ooh. I don't know. Then it, I think I'd probably still move him ahead of Pat. But Pat's resume improves obviously if he's able to return to the podium. What if Pat were to win the games next year? Would right. you put him ahead of Ben well, Smith? See, that's exactly the problem. If if Pat wins next year, let's just say that Pat wins, Roman gets second, and and Justin gets third next year. 
Then, and I had had Justin in third place all time already. Then what do I do? What if Ricky pops next year? Do two <laughs> juicing years count as one year? Will he get like a, a, at least like a half a year for each? I think that's, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Two, two pops equals one. Uh, fool. <laughs> Don't uh, hold me great. To Great, great list. Uh, for those of you, who, we started the show looking at the bottom guys: uh, Willie Georges, Guy Malheros, and Will Morahad. Will Morahad are uh, eligible names who could jump up uh, next year. They're eligible, but um, they could have but, been on this year. They're just in the next probably. They're all somewhere in the next twenty guys, and most okay. of those guys are no longer competing anymore. And then notable names that will be eligible next season, meaning they've only competed twice at the CrossFit Games, are Roman Krennikov. Lazad Jukic and Jason Hopper with a Y, and uh, and there's no guarantee that any of them will be on that list next year. You know, Lazar's if Lazar's third year parallels Guy's first year as a fairly poor finish, he probably doesn't make it on. If he comes back with another top ten finish, he's probably somewhere in the twenty to thirty range. Uh, you know, Roman has a, that he competed in 2020, which is online only, which kind of eh. Obviously, it was amazing this year. If he comes back in podiums again, again, he's probably in the bottom half of this list at that point. And Hopper would need to have, an imp- again, an improvement to earn even a chance to be on the list next year. But he could be four or five years you know, after his fourth or fifth year. Willie George needs to improve from his this performance this year to have a chance to be back on. If Guy strings together another top 10, he'll definitely be somewhere on this list. Will Morad is, uh, he probably will never make the list, but if he comes back and somehow this guy always finds a way to do it and has a top 15 finish, he could have an outside chance of getting into one of the last couple of spots. But basically, he's in a group of guys similar to Logan Collins, Josh Everett, Lucas Holmberg, Patrick Burke, Jeremy Thiel, Chad McKay, Pat Barber, James Fitzgerald, Lucas Parker, wow. Rob Forte, Ben Stoneberg, where his, his resume looks very similar to those guys. But outside of Logan Collins, none of them are still competing. So they don't, you know, they're not going to ever move up into this top thirty. Maybe next year we'll expand it to a top fifty, just to just to kind of recognize some of those. But um, how yeah. many appearance? How many appearances does Rob Forte have? Seven, but his average finish over those seven is twenty fifth, which is worse than any other name that I listed. But dude, seven, not right. even uh, the the top. The only guy in the top ten who has seven appearances is Chris Spieler, and that's if you include. Uh, uh, 2007. So I'm going to say that doesn't count because you don't have to qualify. You have to go all the way to number 18, Travis Mayer. I'm going to put in a uh, a, a re-review for Rob Forte. What's that called? A a dispute? A dispute? Cl- what, what? I'm going to put in a dispute for Rob. His, remember, we were, with some other guys, we were talking about like their best four finishes. His best four finishes were 12th, 17th, 23rd, and 25th. I don't think okay. that merits a top third. I do. The last well, guy on the list. Well, then I would use that same argument and be like, then Justin Medeiros deserves to go higher because his three finishes were so fantastic. Yeah, but now you're just you're intentionally choosing to focus on the thing you want to. For Rob Forte, you're going to focus on the seven qualifications, and for Medeiros, you're going to foc- you're going to ignore the three and focus on the individual performances of each one of those. I'm trying to be more broadly thinking for every athlete on the list, then you don't know how broad I think. How dare you? Very narrowly. Apparently Uh, what, what did, has anyone ever had three finishes as good? Their first three years as good as Justin Medeiros. Yeah. Rich, rich. What, what place did rich take his, uh, first year? Rich is second, first, first, Justin's third, first, first. Oh shit. Matt was second, second, first, which adds to the same number of places, but, 
uh, I think that the two wins would trump the two seconds for Justin over Matt just in a three-year window. This picture, uh, my final question, this picture of you standing. Let me ask you that. Would you put after after Matt Fraser's first title in 2016, he's taken second to Froning, second to Ben Smith, and then he wins the games in 2016 with one event win. Uh, Where would you put him on the list after just those three years? Would you immediately bump him up to second? Fine, Rich? Probably not. He needs to still prove it over time. And after he wins the second one, he moves up there. He's probably then third. And then he wins a third one, and then he bumps Ben, and then he wins a fifth one, and he bumps Rich. So let, let's just give Justin a chance yeah, to, yeah. to to earn his way up the list. It's I can understand the argument to put him in third place right now, but I think that it's premature and unnecessary because I want to give him the opportunity to unseat some of these legends over the next couple of years. I don't like your phrasing, but your example was fucking brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't like to give him a chance thing. Like, I want him to have the opportunity to earn his way up on this list. Not that he's hasn't already done it with with what he's done, but let me see him do it over time and let you know let his progress as an athlete speak for itself as he continues to climb up the all times rankings. A, a great example that you used looking at Matt Fraser's first uh, three seasons. This picture of you standing in the corner with a bunch of cinder blocks on slide number one. Um, is, is that staged? No, I was uh, coming up and down from somewhere at the Mac and uh, gosh, I'm so sorry. That I can't remember who took that picture. I, I posted and credited for them at some point during the semifinals this year. Fuck, what a brilliant. I didn't know that they were taking it. I was just, I had a thought. So I stopped and wrote something down and then continued on my way. And someone must've captured that. What a great photo. Uh, do you prefer, do you wish, sorry, one more question. Uh, do you wish that, um, you would have, ch- you could change this or next year, will you change this to top 30 individual male CrossFit athletes of all time? Will you switch, put individual in there? I know someone had made a comment about that as well. And then they wanted this like elaborate title. No, I just want it to be clean and, con- and, and concise on the front page as much as possible. And then an opportunity to elaborate on the next slide, which is what, how we decided to do it. More than fair. Uh, Brian, any super fucking cool stats that i didn't wasn't able to pry to your brain that you're like oh shit we didn't talk about this or are you gonna wait till we hang up and then be like fuck we should have talked about that uh i don't think so i think we i think you did a great job as always thank you uh i think we covered pretty well all right uh is the top women's 30 list done almost Okay, and uh, will we see it in the next uh, seven days uh, on the Seven Podcast? If if uh, if you're available next Tuesday morning, we should we should do it. Okay, perfect. Tuesday, let me see Tuesday. That would give give me a chance to just. I wanted. There's a few, couple things I want to finalize, and then I'll send them to the graphics guy, and then we'll we'll get them ready to go. Oh yeah, that's good. You know who I have on next Tuesday? In the Keelan evening. Hen- or the Ke- morning? Ke- uh, in the morning, but not till 10 a.m. Keelan Henry. I I hope people are excited for that. It was kind of a bummer that we didn't get to really see him compete this year. I think he might have surprised some people. And he's an incredibly uh, nice guy. Yeah, and he's got a great weight loss story. Yep. You'll you'll definitely enjoy talking to him. Yeah, bitching. All right, cool. Uh guys, top 30 female probably next uh Tuesday, uh September 13th, uh top female crossfitters of all time. Caleb, thank you. Caleb Beaver. Brian friend, thank you. Bye.